Want to cut cooling bills without cutting comfort? Lower utility costs and enjoy cool and consistent comfort with a highly efficient air conditioner from Luxair. With Luxair's consumer rebate program, educators, nurses, first responders, military personnel, and veterans can enjoy exclusive rebates on qualifying purchases of Luxair equipment. To learn more, call Chris Brewer at Affordable Heat and Air, 317-656-7945. They'll recommend a system tailored to your home that provides comfort, energy savings, and lasting performance. This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I really like the schedule. I think it uh, highlights uh, some of our history. It highlights our DNA, which is fast oval racing. Getting back to six ovals is a, is a terrific thing, I think, for IndyCar and our fans. We, everybody knows we're stoked about uh, the finale being in Nashville. Glad Matt could join us to give us a bit of an update there. Really, there's a lot to like. The um, in in going to Milwaukee in the penultimate race weekend with a double header, effectively it's double points that weekend, and that's going to make the, uh, the the crescendo of the finale we we expect uh, even that much more exciting and, and make that event really really important. We like the night racing, both in. Um, at the Worldwide Technology Raceway and at Iowa, we're going to have we're going to be under the lights and IndyCar looks great on those tracks in any case. But under the lights with the sparks and all, be that much more exciting. Um, I really like the Million Dollar Challenge. That's innovative. It's different. You know, we had a great experience. We're well hosted at the Thermal Club a year ago for our test, and we just thought, listen, uh, when NBC said they were up for a made-for-television event that fans all over the country will be able to see uh, on NBC and to do something really different uh, is, is I think exciting and appealing. There's a lot more I like. Uh, how can we not mention the 500? So ticket sales are up a bit over last year and you know last year was better than the year before, etc. Elio's coming back, Carl Larson's coming. There's gonna be a lot to talk about. I think there'll be at least one more uh, really exciting uh, addition to that to those trying to have a great run in, uh, on Memorial Day weekend. And you are listening live in studio to the big show tonight from the downtown studios on the circle. It's Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan in Indianapolis. Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavan, Eddie Garrison is here. The show is so big, we have two in-studio producers elijah robertson is here as well we welcome your input at kevin lee 23 at kurt cavin on x or twitter so we've got the schedule out you heard from mark miles the indycar and penske entertainment president and ceo we want your reaction we'll share some reaction Uh, i think answer some questions about some things that people would like to see also one of the reasons i wanted to be in studio is to be able to react and uh, talk amongst ourselves. This is your chance to make a suggestion that could get to NBC bosses, higher than Townsend Bell even, who likes to ask questions on Twitter after uh, races. But we are asked at the end of each season to offer some suggestions that we might do for next season. And I've got some thoughts, but I thought, you know what? I've got a platform. I've got some airtime. Let's share it with the IndyCar fan base 
So you can tweet me your suggestions tonight. Um, so as a warning, we're not looking for announcer suggestions. Don't tell me who you wanted, uh, who you loved in the 70s and who you'd like to have back on the broadcast. That's not my business. And also I would say uh, I don't need to hear about your Peacock suggestions either. I've made some and that's not our department. That's not my direct boss's department either. But we're looking for creative things we could do during a practice session or the race or some things that you think might enhance the, the broadcast, enhance the product and enhance your viewing pleasure, which is the ultimate goal. Uh, we can cross one off the potential free agent list for 2025. With news today, Ed Carpenter Racing is letting a couple of young drivers audition for 2024 and much more. On the show tonight, Dave Coleman from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel will join us to talk about one of the big nuggets on the schedule. It's the return of the Milwaukee Mile. And the BC39 is coming up at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway inside the dirt track. Turn three this week, tomorrow through Saturday. And the hottest driver next to Max Verstappen, I think, Logan Seavey, is going to be on the show with us tonight. He won in three different cars at Eldora over the weekend. He won the Chili Bowl this year. Uh, And he'll be trying to win the BC39 for Abacus Racing coming up this weekend with all the heavy hitters in short track racing as well. Hello, Kurt. How are you? Well, it's it's good to be with you. And and actually, you know, I listened to Mark Miles uh, yesterday and I read the transcript and somehow I missed the last little bit of nugget that he uh-huh. threw out there. There could be still more to announce for the Indianapolis 500 coming up in 2024. We know about Kyle Larson at Errol McLaren. We know about Elio Castroneves back for another shot at number five. I don't know what the extra bit of news still to come or potentially still to come, but I like it. And I like that he threw that out there. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that. You know, the way he's saying that, you start to think, well, is this Kyle Bush? Is it, you know, someone of that nature? Is Tony Kanaan unretiring again? Which I always joke with him about each time I see him. Uh, and I know he's not. I don't think he is. Uh, or is it something out of the ordinary that doesn't have to do with a driver? But that does pique her interest. And once we get through this week's conversation, maybe we'll start digging into that and throwing some things against the wall as to what that might be. But I'm going to save that for another time. Uh, So Mark highlighted some of the the positives of the schedule. What else did you take away from it? Well, I think the biggest surprise, you know, we all knew Milwaukee was in play for – for some time during the season, you know, they confirmed that as a Labor Day weekend event, August 31st and September 1st. But I don't think any of us saw a doubleheader coming, or at least we didn't see it as a as a possibility even a few days ago. Uh, we didn't know that's the direction. I think, I think there's a lot of things to chew on tonight. I think we'll get to a lot of them. We heard about the Thermal Club's million-dollar challenge that'll be on March 24th. That'll be essentially the second event of the season after the kickoff March 10th in St. Petersburg. The, the other thing that I really took away from this schedule is – You better be ready if you're going to be a championship contender. You better be ready to short track race, which Mm. tells me Joseph Newgarden, because five of the last eight races are on short tracks. Uh, Two races in July at Iowa Speedway, the race at Worldwide Technology Raceway, which we know to be Gateway on August 17th, and then, of course, the two 
uh, mile races at the Milwaukee Mile on uh, Labor Day weekend. So those that stretch run of five short tracks on eight uh, weekends or at least eight races to end the season, I think that's going to be an important stretch run for, for everybody. And I think that really favors Team Penske and Joseph Newgarden. So I'm always excited when the schedule comes out. It's, you know, a little bit like our Christmas morning of finding out what is going to be in store and how it's going to work out next year. And um, there are always some tweaks each year and there are some things that we like and some things that we're a little bit disappointed with and we'd like to have seen done a little bit differently. So I guess I would say big picture. Um, I, I don't know that it's ideal. Um, but I think I understand why it's not exactly the way we would like it to be. And I think a lot of it's out of their control. Uh, there are things most of us like, but a few deficiencies as well. But the question will be, how can those be avoided? And that's where it gets tricky, which we'll we'll get into. And just reading the comments on uh, social media posts of, of different journalists writing uh, about the details of that, and some have come to us. We'll answer some of those and get into some other things. You know, along with the positives that you talked about, I think we we like the extra ovals. You have more of a balance in the schedule now. Six ovals, granted, two of them are doubleheader weekends. I get that. Five street course races, six on road courses for now, seven if you include thermal and exhibition race, and maybe an eighth if an exhibition in Argentina comes together in the fall Uh, i think a a lot of people asked for night racing on ovals and i didn't know if you would be able to get that done and be on nbc which i figured was pretty important for the business model for iowa and they did that there is a night race or at least an evening race the first half of the doubleheader and that is on nbc And then you get another one coming up at Gateway, which I think will improve the racing at Worldwide Technology Raceway. I think as far as the championship, without double points, which most of us prefer not having double points, although it can be debated, but you are still much more likely, I think, to see it go late because of the uncertainty that you have in these final events. Three of the last five races are on ovals. And then the two others are on very unpredictable tracks. Portland with the chicane, which they made it through this year and last year, I think, as well. But chaos is going to ensue again soon. And then you've got the Nashville finale, which, you know, you're going to want to be up by 42 points. Uh, You're going to want to have that all but clinched. You know, I think it's worth repeating, even though it's not new, but it is going to be new for the schedule. When you look at positives is the championship race in Nashville. That is going to be a mega event. Will the race be as pure as a lot of people would like? No, there are going to be people that call it a bleep show and whatever. Uh, You you can't have everything all at once. But as far as a commercial event and getting some attention for your championship and making it a unique weekend and a reason for people to go – Nashville is going to nail that. I think it's positive that there was an opportunity to find a spot for Laguna Seca. They probably weren't super thrilled that they weren't the championship race anymore. And to find a spot on the schedule to continue with a venue that has legacy, a place that we all enjoy going to, uh, and has many, many pluses is good. And then I think the thermal situation of, because as Mark said, a TV window 
was available. And what wasn't said at the time, which I learned right after the fact, was, yeah, this is kind of a backstop in case Texas doesn't happen. Because if the thermal thing doesn't come together, then you've got, what, six weeks between any kind of racing between St. Pete and Long Beach. So thermal is a godsend from that standpoint. St. Pete is March 10th. Long Beach is April 21st. And maybe it does eventually grow into some sort of a points race. This is a way to to kind of look at that. So what we're missing, uh, something to fill a gap in the spring, obviously, Texas. Uh, more on network television. I'll, I'll get to that and what I think can be involved in, in that regard. And then uh, I think some other things that we'll cover via social media. So Texas. Why isn't Texas on this schedule? I think first and foremost, it comes down to a, a late change by NASCAR. I don't know when this happened. Now, I, I have been one that said, you know, even when it was announced as a multi-year contract, I said, you know what? Uh, you know, unless we've seen the contract, a lot of contracts have options. And Many contracts are not ironclad, so just because something, whether it be player, venue, whatever the case, multi-year isn't always guaranteed multi-year, and that came to be the case in this one. But it sounds like they were going to continue. It wasn't going away because it was poorly attended, uh, and it was going to be difficult to make work with the time slot that was available. I think they had a date, and it was April 7th, and... That was going to happen until either NASCAR or the track or both decided we need to get away from football in Texas in the fall. Uh, And and maybe it was NASCAR, too, saying we want to shake up the schedule and we need to put another race in the spot. But anyway, Texas is moving to the spring and it's April 14th. And for the track, which, by the way, also promotes the race in March at Circuit of the Americas. So that would be, what, three events in about five or six weeks for their staff. But mainly, they're not going to be keen on IndyCar being the week before Texas. Maybe they would make it fly and just say, here, good luck to you. You can run the week after NASCAR goes. But whether we like it or not, NASCAR is what pays the bills for these tracks because of the guaranteed television revenue, which is... Minimum $10 million, maybe $20 million, and maybe in 2025 it even grows to a bigger number with the next television contract. So that's it. Now, September was apparently offered, but if you watch this past weekend, I don't know if I'm all that excited about IndyCar running in September. It was literally 100 degrees. Could you have run it on a Saturday night? I, I threw that out last week, and I would have been interested in that. However... So Saturday night on USA could possibly be an option, but I don't know if NBC has that available. We know NBC does not have NBC on Saturdays in September because they're doing the Big Ten or Notre Dame on Saturday nights, or in some cases, both, when Notre Dame plays a Big Ten team. So cross that off the list. And USA might have already been booked. Uh, For example, Supermotocross, which has some traction and they have a deal where i think they run on saturday nights for their championship races in september on usa and that may have already been locked in because remember it sounds like this only came to everyone's attention a few weeks ago so this is kind of the perfect storm of sorry uh we don't have room for you 
Then the, the next option would be, and Mark Miles addressed this on the call, and I believe he said with combining with NASCAR, we, I'm paraphrasing, we threw out that idea and it did not have any traction. And I think he said, I don't know whether it was NASCAR that didn't like it or SMI or the track, but we didn't really get any kind of positive response on that because that would have probably been the best case scenario. Uh, and, and another reason why September, I'm not sure, makes a lot of sense, even beyond the TV aspect. They had already gotten too far down the road on what they were going to do because they need to push some things back a little bit because of the Olympic break. So that means you're running, what, Gateway uh, late in the season. You're running Portland. No, you're running Gateway, Portland, Milwaukee, three straight weekends right after the Olympics. You did have that next weekend off. Maybe you could have put it on September 8th, but that would be a five-race stretch to the finish with no time to breathe. I think a lot of us like the idea of a week off before the championship to be able to use your assets, your drivers, to have a couple of days to go in market to do some different promotions. So I'm not sure that was a great opportunity there uh, to get that done. So the doubleheader with NASCAR was probably the only thing. It's not great if NASCAR and IndyCar are on the same network. That's a Fox NASCAR weekend. But I think it could have been doable. I, I feel that IndyCar, as a NBC, as a NASCAR partner, would not have ignored NASCAR at all. They would have promoted, NASCAR is here, you can watch it on Fox tomorrow. They would have gotten that in, and I don't think that Fox would ignore IndyCar. I've seen them say nice things before. So then it comes down to, okay, do you want a sanctioning fee from Texas of whatever that is? It can range from up to a million and a half we've seen in public records, or I'm sure there are some that are, you know, barter, maybe four or 500,000. I have no idea. But if it's the track and there's cash being paid, the track's question may be, are we going to make this much more money by adding IndyCar? over NASCAR. I would also say that might be better than a separate weekend because they could save some money on ticket takers and marketing and some other things. So I still think that could be a win. So my best, I wouldn't say uneducated, but certainly not documented or sourced opinion is NASCAR is not interested in IndyCar running on Saturday and putting on a better race uh, than NASCAR does on Sunday. So that's what I'm going to come down to. I don't think that's in NASCAR's best interest to have a really thrilling IndyCar race on Saturday and then something more like we saw this past weekend on Sunday. I think you've summed that up pretty good, and I don't have a sourced uh, response either to the Texas situation. But I think as you outlined it, really it really stands that that's the path that that everyone was on a couple of thoughts about how you know what nascar or what indycar might have looked like with texas in its late stages of the season not only would you have had five straight weekends but you would have had uh what three oval tracks gateway milwaukee and yeah. texas with portland and nashville two really big wild cards i mean you had the potential for for really a lot of 
um, you know, interesting things happening in a, in a good way in some respects, but also just the grind of it would have been intense. I do like, as you mentioned, the the week break between Milwaukee and Nashville, that gives you a, a championship buildup. Now, some might say, you know, if you have it on back-to-back weekends, you could just roll right into the championship talk. Uh, I mean, I think you could argue it either way. One thing to point about point out about all this uh, TV talk is we don't have times yet. We don't know if, you know, for example, Mark Miles made reference to the lights at Iowa and the lights at Gateway, but we don't know yet if those start late enough in the afternoon or early evening or even the nighttime to be true night races. I think one of them will be. I think uh, we'll see that. Milwaukee doesn't have lights, so it's Saturday race can be pretty late in the afternoon, early evening, but they don't have lights. So so that's going to be a factor in the scheduling of that Saturday race. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, having having the opportunity to see the, the night races, uh, at least on a couple of occasions at Iowa and Gateway, is a real positive, even if we don't see maybe the whole race under the lights. We're going to see a lot of it, and I think that's interesting. Of course, for the teams – you know, in those cases where they run double headers, uh, two races on the same weekend, it's not really a double header per se, but it's it's back to back days. You know, like we've seen at Iowa the last two years, you better you better come out of the first race without a lot of equipment damage, or you're going to be working pretty quickly and feverishly to get things ready for race two, especially if the Iowa race and the Milwaukee race are late enough in the day on on saturday you know in the night race case at iowa you know you may not get done at the racetrack till till 10 o'clock under normal circumstances and then if you've got crash damage to turn around and get the car prep for say a one or two o'clock start on sunday you better you better be ready and some teams are better at that than others they can help a little bit by not doing any kind of a warm-up on sunday morning Uh, i would hope they still have a Enhanced install, you know, for those that have crashed the car. I think what they did this year at Iowa made a lot of sense. It was, you know, a five or ten minute practice, but you're doing that a little later on, so it's more than just an install. Um, And maybe it gets pushed back to two in the afternoon or something like that. So it's not super ideal, but it, it makes those events work in that regard. You know, here's the other thing for Texas. Um we all wanted to continue. We all understand how important that market is, and we love the history going back to 1997. And more often than not, the racing has has been good, and they got it right, which is really hard to do. They got it right again this past year. But from a business standpoint, it was not going well. And so they were willing to do another year because I think it it's still – serves IndyCar because the fan base likes that kind of event. Roger Penske has been very open that we need this type of race before the Indianapolis 500. And essentially we need this type of race, if at all possible. And in this case, for the reasons we just dictated, it really wasn't possible, but that might be a reason why you say, okay, this isn't a great commercial event. It doesn't look good. I think, and I know a lot of other people think that when you have casual fans that turn on the TV and see nothing but empty grandstands, they don't see why this is something worth their time. 
And that was one of the lower-rated events this year. So that's not great. So unless something is going to change to increase the attendance at this race, I'm not sure that it had a long-term future to begin with. But it was still worth pursuing because of some of those reasons. One other thing, I'm, I'm kind of surprised, actually, that Texas offered a race in September. And I wonder if it was a... I wonder what the business model was for that. Because I think it's in Texas' best interest. I think, aren't they planning on doing... Maybe it's not been announced. But in the spring, they were talking about reprofiling the track again. And they're going to need some time to do that. So if they did not, if their only events were in April of 2024 and they had a full year before their next event, that would be the perfect time to go ahead and do it. Because it's not just IndyCar that says they ruined the track with the PJ1. Multiple NASCAR drivers are now saying they ruined the track with the PJ1. So they're either going to need to repave it or reprofile it. And then I saw a story, uh, Indy 44, I think, posted it. Was it, it was from the local paper, one of the local papers in Dallas. And it was behind a paywall, so I didn't open it up. But the headline was basically, is this land worth more to, for development than it is as a racetrack? Kind of like what Chicagoland is going through and what Fontana is going through. And it might be. It's probably not as long as they're still getting 10 to $20 million in television revenue, but they're not getting that times two anymore. They were getting that times two. Now it's times one. So, you know, unfortunately, that's something to keep an eye on on down the road. Um, so from that standpoint, it is in the track's best interest to figure it out. The cup race, the races were okay this weekend. I admit I didn't pay great attention to the cup race. I watched the Xfinity race more closely because my friend Parker Kligerman was was racing in it and, and finished second. But they couldn't. Two people spun out on the opening lap because yeah. they got out of the groove. So something is going to need to be fixed there. So uh, I, I know that they said what they should say that this is a one-year thing and we'll try to revisit it in 25 and I hope they can get it together. But, you know, I don't think 1130 on Sunday morning is going to work. You know, there's always a fear that once you stop an event, you lose the momentum, you can't ever resurrect it. I would say that doesn't apply for this because it had no momentum. and a little bit of momentum with a good race this past year. And I'm hoping maybe more people would have come to see it because there are always question marks. But it didn't have a whole lot of momentum, and it's going to take a rethink and a significant amount of promotion to make it work. So you might as well take a break and figure out what is the best situation. Is it a night race in late April? Hey, maybe it is a May 1st weekend Saturday night oval race. Some Something like that. Maybe something like that two or three weeks after the cup race would be doable. That would satisfy having an oval before Indianapolis. It would not be surface of the sun hot. It would be something that could be doable. It's not the middle of summer where it doesn't get dark until nine o'clock. So maybe you could run on, on USA because you need some events on USA uh, on cable or whoever your television partner is at that time. Maybe you could do something like that that weekend. 
I think so. And I think it'll be revisited. I, I do. I think the commitment from from the top at Penske Entertainment, I think Roger Penske very much values. You mentioned that, uh, you know, a race, you know, with the with the uh, challenges uh, that a that a mile and a half high banked presents, especially the speed as you relate to preparing drivers for Indianapolis. And and uh, Jay Fry mentioned, you know, that. You still had Tom Blumquist and and uh, you know the rookie class uh, that'll be in the 2024 Indy 500 headed headed down there as we saw just a couple days ago, about a couple weeks ago now. But you know they sent they sent the rookies down there and they're gonna they're gonna get their their feet wet on the big oval and that'll be good prep as it comes toward Indianapolis. So I think it has value. And, you know, if, if there is a reconfiguration of the track or repurposing of it, even new asphalt, maybe that's something you can sell, quote mm-hmm. unquote, to the fan base. You know, we didn't have IndyCar last year. Now the track's repurposed and, and uh, it can be the kind of great show that we've seen in the past. So if that's on the horizon, I think that could be something. And I like the opportunity to maybe race the last weekend of April. I think that can work, especially if NASCAR is – well, you know, it can't be the 14th. I think that's probably two weeks is probably too close to the NASCAR race. If it's two weeks, you know, uh, between the one week, one weekend between Cup and, and IndyCar doesn't feel like enough. But um, I think they'll revisit it. Okay, we'll get into some of the other topics uh, via Twitter questions. So I think that will cover some of the other uh, items on everyone's mind at Kevin Lee 23 at Kurt Cavan. It's Trackside 93.5-1075, The Fan. This- Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is Alex Palou, and you're listening to Trackside. One of the other reasons, Kurt, I came into the studio tonight, because quality control. I listened to last week's podcast that I did from a hotel room at Virginia International Raceway, and it was quite echoey. So I feel bad for the listener, so I wanted to have the pristine um, resources that we have here at the worldwide headquarters and make it sound better. The other thing from last week's show... Uh, I did kind of an IMSA recap of the IMS weekend from the Delta Sky Lounge. We we did the show from like three different locations. At the end of the show, finished the segment at 9.01. So three minutes after we're off the air, I look up, there's Nick Tandy, who won the race for Porsche Penske walking by me. We could have just had him on the show there from the Sky Lounge. Would have worked great, but alas, we didn't. You're a you're a big traveler, and I've been on the road as well. So we have to do what we can do. You know, we can't. Well, that would have worked out as list- a positive. That would have made it all worth it. Yeah, uh, anyway, true. so I'm glad to be in studio just to to check in on things. Place looks great. Uh, chat with people at Kevin Lee 23 at Kurt Cavan as we go over the schedule for next year and and answer some questions and you know and kind of uh, deal with some some complaints. We we. As you we're know, the complaint we're, department. well, we're in charge of things. <laughs> you fix it or I will, as we like to say. Um, 
Chris at Mr. CMB99 says, how do I get tickets for the Milwaukee Mile? I can't wait to make the trip from Detroit for the doubleheader. I believe I saw they go on sale in January. I don't believe they're on sale yet. That's right. And I believe they'll be sold through the IMS ticket office. Uh, That will not be the only place, but (laughs) I would assume uh, that'll be the process since Penske Entertainment will have a large role in this. Uh, maybe not. Maybe they have their own process. We haven't seen it yet, uh, but it'll you know there'll be a heavy Penske influence, just as there has been at Iowa, and and so and Detroit, of course, um, and that little thing called the Indy Five Hundred. So, so you'll get into this a little bit more with Dave Coleman in the next hour. But from one one of the questions we had was how was this going to work? And I mentioned on the show last week that you know it, it, Dave actually. Uh, looked into this and and Bob Sargent from Track Enterprises had been involved in their truck race this year and had done some other ventures and as of two weeks ago he said yeah I don't know if I'm involved and then we heard a quote from Mark saying Mark Miles saying what's different this time is we're going to promote it and and my point to that was well that doesn't necessarily mean we are the quote promoter it could just be we are going to go out of our way to actively promote the thing and help whoever and it sounds like it's going to be a combo effort that to me and maybe you know differently wasn't fully disclosed but the state fair board sounds like they might sort of be the promoter of record but it is very much a cooperative effort with Penske Entertainment. So I don't know who's on the record as the promoter, um, but it looks like they're both going to work together in that regard. Well, I think, you know, that's an that's one of those, you know, behind the scenes questions that you and I and 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 the hardcore of the fan base will care about. But ultimately, if you've got two partners or three partners, depending on how you slice the the effort out of Milwaukee, if you've got all these people actively pushing the ball up the hill, you're going to see movement. And that's that's a good thing. Roger Penske is tremendous at business to business, as we know. And if you have the locals on board, as you, you know, we had the governor at the press conference yesterday and you had Bob Sargent and you've got, you know, this this group of people in Milwaukee eager to see it happen and make a successful event then it doesn't really matter who the promoter is per se of record. They're all going to help. doesn't matter for us. It just matters for the people who it matters for the person that is responsible for writing the check. And that can go a lot of different ways. You know, the traditional old promoter way of doing an event would be the track, AKA the promoter would write a check to the sanctioning body, IndyCar, NASCAR, whatever. In IndyCar's case, as we said, that, number can vary between probably as low as 500,000 depending on how much they want it to up to 1.5 million but even within that there are a lot of different variables say the number could be low to limits the risk for the promoter uh, but it could be stipulated that the sanctioning body gets to keep a share or possibly all of corporate sponsorship or maybe concessions or things like that so that there's an opportunity there and that's how i think this can work from the penske side no matter i don't know where the money's going or how it's divvied up but they can use the template that they've used for detroit 
and for Iowa and what is being used at IMS, you're seeing a lot of Penske Motorsports, Team Penske partners, now that are series partners. And Roger Penske has the ability to say, hey, this event's important to us. Uh, we'd like you to get involved here and it's going to be in everybody's best interest. And that's how that this can work. And the fair board talked about, you know, doing some of the things they've done with some of their festivals there. They've talked about music. I kind of like this. It didn't sound to me. Now it certainly can change. It didn't sound to me like they're going the high V path or Iowa path. Uh, and I think even the cost was mentioned by someone because it's massively expensive when you bring in four headlining acts but to do that you're going to have to raise ticket prices i like what i think they're doing is they want to have some musical entertainment but it's not going to be something that is going to triple the cost of a general admission ticket so it's going to be fun and add a little bit more to the racing weekend but still keep costs in line and you're going to have a lot of racing. You got two Indy car races. You're going to have Indy next. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, maybe you see USF Pro 2000 there. They used to run a second oval race, and that went away. And they ran at Coda this year, which, as someone involved, that wasn't good. You know, running at a different track on an Indy car weekend is not good. Running where Indy car is running would be a much better. Uh, situation for all involved so uh, those are some of the things uh, the top of mind there and dave will talk more about those a little bit later on other questions there was another ticket question i had i'll just go back to going in order lynn formerly the spurs fan uh writes good 2024 indycar schedule for indycar but horrible tv schedule the second biggest race is not on nbc return to milwaukee as the first one on peacock they could have done better than that so as someone that works for said TV partner, uh, I will be delicate, but I also think I can be honest. I, I think I somewhat understand these things. And I'm like Lynn, that it'd be fantastic if every race was on NBC. Now, that doesn't work for everybody. They're trying to get their cable network uh, in homes and make it attractive. And they also have many, many other partners that want time on NBC and entertainment programs, and frankly, some other programming that garners higher ratings. So it's not just as simple as saying they give us the time. Long Beach, let's speak to that directly. That's one of those dates, Kurt, that we knew. And it's probably out there somewhere if the contract extends beyond next year when the 2025 race is, right? We, we, yeah. we know when these are. That is, there is date equity there that is generally non-negotiable so i think they have decided that we would prefer to keep this date and maybe it's based on a certain date where easter falls i haven't dug into it that deeply but they've got their date well when you've got your date that lessens the opportunity for the network to find you a network avail trust me my opinion would be NBC would like this race to be on NBC. But if it's got to be that date, which whatever it is next year, April 21st or something like that, uh, there's a high possibility that there is a big golf tournament that weekend that one is going to get better ratings, but two has a contract that's longer than this uh, previous IndyCar contract that they're locked into. So that's going to be one that you probably are not going to have on NBC every year, but hopefully one or two or three years, it, it works out that way. 
So not ideal, but that's kind of the way it is when you're locked into a specific date. Yeah, you're right in saying it. There's no there's no reason for NBC to pass on Long Beach if it could have Long Beach. So there must be something that NBC has. Uh, you know, the date shifts a little bit at Long Beach. I'm sure some of it has to do with Easter. Some of it probably has to do with the city. But these dates have been set, I'm sure, for uh, for some time, even before NBC had its schedule. So it's actually it's a really good thing for USA Network. That's a race that is you know, well-consumed and it, for, if you're going to be on a cable, if from USA standpoint, that's a good one to have. I like as many USA races in the second half as possible. When you have NASCAR programming also on that weekend, the biggest challenge are the USA races before NBC picks up the NASCAR schedule. And we saw that in the ratings this year. Uh, with was it Road America that didn't do very well that was a week before NASCAR started. We've had some good ratings on USA when you have the motorsport fan tuned in and you can do some cross promotion. So next year, you're just going to have Long Beach and you're going to have Detroit. Those are the only ones that are a little bit concerned. Uh, Laguna Seca is USA. That's probably the weekend that NBC starts their coverage. And while the cup race might be on NBC, they're still going to have practice shows. They might have an Xfinity race. You've got some opportunities there. I I hope that you have the chance for a lead-in. You know, that would be great with a West Coast race. I doubt it because they like to start their races at 3 o'clock as well. Uh, As far as Milwaukee, well, it sounds like the second part of that came together rather recently. Probably when they realized Texas was going away. Oh, let's go ahead and have 17 points races. Let's go ahead and keep six ovals. So let's add another one because I think that will be good for the paying customer. Give people a reason to come to town, spend the weekend, see two IndyCar races. So generally speaking, you're not going to any television partner uh, less than a year away from that date and saying, oh, by the way, do you have three hours to spare on Saturday afternoon? You're probably not going to get it. I think if you're going to, and the contract, by the way, when it was originally announced, said two races on Peacock. Uh, NBC has kind of done them a solid and only put one the last two years, but they are allowed to put two on Peacock. And in some ways, I think this protects on Peacock Peacock only. only. Correct. Peacock exclusive. I think in some ways this protects the Sunday race that doesn't dilute it a little bit from the television audience. Is I, I fear that's a little bit what doubleheaders sometimes do. Maybe you could argue that the Saturday race helps build into the Sunday. Maybe it does. I'm not smart enough to figure that out. But if if you if you have to put two exclusively on Peacock, I think the first half of a doubleheader is one of them. I honestly don't know how it ends up being Toronto again. Maybe that's worked out on their contract where they pay a smaller sanctioning fee. Because I have to believe the promoters like to be on network TV. Or maybe it's just the fact that that's a Canadian race and that makes it easiest. But they have NBC in Canada as well. But they also have their own standalone television deal. So I, I don't know how that works. But that is going to be the case for the third year in a row on that front. Um, what else? You know, let's take a quick break and we'll get into some more Twitter questions coming up and make the next segment not quite so tiny. So stay with us. Trackside, 93.5, The Fan. Hi. Th- Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. 
All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. This is Kyle Kirkwood, and you're listening to Trackside. At Kevin Lee 23, at Kurt Cavan on X, formerly known as Twitter, from Neil Strickland. I have a monumental birthday coming up next summer. Any idea how I can get sweet access for Saturday, Sunday at Iowa for a family of four? Kurt Cavan can give you the hookup. Uh, the answer would be straight cash, homie. That's going to cost you a bit. So I thought, I thought uh, the rejoiner it was going to say, "I'm Bruno Mars," and and this was trackside. And it <laughs> turns out it was Kyle Kirkwood. Why but. did I not get Flavor Flav to cut us a promo for the show? What am I thinking? Yeah, you got to do. I'll, better I'll get than that, that done. I'll get that done next year. I'll get that done for next year. He'll be at the D. You can get that done. Yeah. Uh, so there would be a few options there. One would become a sponsor of IndyCar and a team. and Or I would say a junior formula program, and we can get to work on that, but more likely an IndyCar team. Uh, <laughs> go to work at High V. Most of those suites were High V associates, employees, co-owners in that regard. Contact the track. I'm sure they sell some publicly. But plan on paying. Plan on paying. I'm sure they're minimum 500 bucks ahead, probably more like 1000 in that range. But they'll be available. Uh, and look at the secondary market. But to answer your question, I don't have the hookup. I, I tried to get some people in there uh, this year. I didn't try super hard, but it's not like they're floating around. I probably could have paid for some, uh, the real market. But yeah, that, that's, that's going to be hard. So I wish you the best for that weekend. King Doxy. Regarding the schedule, it seems important to note there is actually one fewer race weekend with two doubleheaders. We end up with 15 race weekends. I realize they've added the event at Thermal, but the reality is only 15 weekends of IndyCar. So uh, those of us that get paid on a per weekend rate notice that as well. But we do have the Thermal weekend, and it sounds like there's still a chance of Argentina coming together for something in the fall. And I would hope there would be some television of that as well. Chad Bunch says, the less IndyCar and NBC races upsetting, ratings were trending higher because of a great broadcasting team. So a couple of more thoughts on on uh, the television and how it ends up being where it's at. So I, I know that, I think this year, either last year or this year, there were 13 races on network. So you can look at it next year and say there are nine points-paying races on network. Well, really, it's 10. I know Thermal is not a points-paying race, but it is a race where your product is going to be on network television that they offered you that. Hey, you have to you have to count you that. You've got to count that. And I think you also got to count two qualifying days. That's a two-hour window minimum on NBC. And... There's at least been a year, if not two, where there was nothing on television on Saturday. I think one year at it was... Indy. Yeah, at Indy. It was all on Peacock. So now we're at 12. What if this Argentina event comes together? And it's on NBC. Now you're back to 13. So I would say kind of hang on. But the other really important part of that is, um, what did the contract stipulate? My guess is NBC was going above and beyond 
offering more than they were contractually required, trying to be good partners because it worked out because, hey, we've got space available here if you want to run it. I remember hearing that for our race last year. That was one of the reasons why maybe it was Texas, why it was when it was, because NBC said, well, you can run this date, but it would have to be on USA, or you could run it this date, and you can be on NBC. And they said, well, let's do it this date and have it on NBC. So that might be part of it. But let's think about this, too. Uh, Mark Miles mentioned they're going to start negotiating in October for their 2025 and beyond television partner. If, say, the contract calls for nine races or eight races or whatever it is, I doubt it's 13. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. I don't know. Well, obviously it's not because there's not 13 so far on next year's schedule. But if you're NBC, it's probably in your best interest as you go to negotiate to deliver what's in the contract and probably not above that because then that's something you can offer in negotiation. Um, I think it's been said by ownership that they'd like more money from their television partner. So that's something that the television partner can come back with. Well, I don't know if we're going to give you as much money as you want, but what about this? What if we gave you guaranteed 13 races on television? Maybe it goes up to 14. That's worth money, isn't it? Well, it certainly is to the teams. So that would be a thought there. More likely, it's probably just the dates that IndyCar needed that worked out for the tracks, didn't match the avails that NBC had. So that's where it comes out for this year. You'd love to have them all on network, but unfortunately, it doesn't all work in a vacuum like that. Yeah, putting together putting together schedules is for any sport, honestly, is remarkably difficult, especially when you don't have your own network, like you know the Big Ten network or the SEC network. You know, have your own your own package, but uh, you know they do the best they can with it, trying to get the dates to line up and the time slots and the weather and. Um, TV on top of that. One more schedule nugget and some things non-schedule related all coming up on Trackside. Hi. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Takuma Sato. You are listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. One of the topics for next week, I ran out of time last week and just touched on it at the end, so we'll save that for next week. Indy 500 seats are dwindling. Takuma Sato is one of those efforting to find a spot for next year, so we'll get into what we think is still available next week on the program, Tuesdays, again, for the foreseeable future from 7 until 9. It's hour number 2, 93.5107.5, The Fan in Indianapolis, Kurt Cavan and Kevin Lee at Kevin Lee 23 on Twitter, Left Front Changer says, not sure why IndyCar can't look to South America. Could be Argentina and Mexico to fill some of those gaps early in the season, start in February. Hit two of those markets before St. Pete, make them championship races, and leverage the drivers we have in the series today. Agreed on all counts. However, you have to find the market to make that work. You can't just say we're going to race there. As, as Kurt, you've always said, you have to be invited. And specifically for Argentina, that date was thrown out there and offered, but the track has a MotoGP race around the time when that needs to happen for next year. I don't know if that 
could be an option for 25 and beyond, but it was not an option in 2024. And... I just don't know if there's anyone that wants to pay for a race in Mexico at this point. And at this point, the issue in Argentina is as much about the inflation of the economy. They have had record. It goes back to like 1992 since they had a month like they had in August of inflation. It's just it's off the charts. I mean, that's my number one dream of the scenario schedule is we've been saying this for 15 years Get started earlier and on Labor Day weekend. That would be the goal. Avoid football entirely. Start earlier. It shortens your off season, but it's easier said than done. It, this, this isn't my unique idea. They know this. They're trying this. Um, I still hold out hope for a Phoenix maybe coming back at some point. That's one where I think maybe NASCAR might be more keen to do a doubleheader weekend. I, I don't think that the speed of IndyCar, quote, shows up NASCAR. And I think most people understand, hey, IndyCar is faster. It's nothing against NASCAR. It's just going to be different. But that would be one of my thoughts as to why they are not as excited about putting IndyCars and stock cars together at Texas because they'll be 50 miles an hour slower. You're not going to notice it as much at Phoenix. So that would be one without any knowledge that I would hold out hope for it happening. And that's a race. I don't know where that's going to end up on the, the cup schedule next year, which still isn't out. IndyCar actually beat them. And, and I think they have they have some obstacles that I think hit them late. I mentioned this last week. We had our question about Iowa. I just keep an eye on Iowa for a cup race. They own that track. I think IndyCar showed them that you can get people to come there if you do it the right way. And I heard, and I believe I saw another NASCAR journalist write this week that Montreal doesn't look as likely to happen as it was a month or so ago. So if that's the case, they got to find another venue. And then you're going to look at either doing... A second event at one of your tracks or, hey, oh, that's right. We still own Iowa and Penske painted it and polished it up for us. So let's go ahead and take advantage of that. So I, I keep an eye on that. We, we didn't touch on this either, Kurt, because I think everybody in our world knew it. No second road course at Indianapolis. And even Mark Miles kind of said, well, d- didn't he say that the Brickyard was going back to the Oval in the teleconference yesterday? I don't know, but I can neither confirm nor deny. I think he might have slipped and sort of said something like that. That wasn't really an option anymore. But that's a foregone conclusion, too. We we just don't know the date of when that's going to happen. So that was one of the changes on that front for next year. Mike Kuhn says, I believe NASCAR has feared the rise of IndyCar. Once it took control of most of the ovals, has tried to thwart IndyCar growth. For instance, it moved Chicagoland to the fall, pretty much killing that IRL event. Moving the Texas date is yet... Another example. So I don't know if I'd go that far because I think they're in the business of wanting their tracks to do well. But I'm not going to say you're 100% wrong. I don't think it's in their best interest to go out of the way to help IndyCar. It is still competition. They can work together. But in reality, both sides want to work together in a way that helps me, right? That's right. Yeah, that, that helps me. So if it's helping you more than it's helping me, then I'm not really interested in doing it. And I'm really not interested in doing it if it only helps you and doesn't do anything for me. And if there's any chance at all, 
it hurts me. I, I still think, I mean, it really just comes down to bottom line. If IndyCar was selling 30,000 seats at Homestead, they'd be racing at Homestead or Watkins uh, Glen. You're absolutely right. Or you're wherever it right. is. Each, while, while those tracks are part of a conglomeration, they still represent their own interest. And if, you know, Michael Printa previously at Watkins Glen thought it was good for a Watkins Glen, he would have suggested it to his boss that this was a good event, whether it's a IndyCar race, a strawberry festival, or a Bob Seger concert. It, whatever works for the track is would have been good for the whole. Jeff Hildebrand tweets, huge gaps in the schedule again. Come on, there is no place for Texas, Kentucky, Virginia. Maybe he means Richmond. Uh, Michigan, Pocono, Chicago, Miami, plus other ovals. Only one super speedway. So frustrating. How can this lack of ovals be resolved? Question mark. Well, more than 10,000 people at Texas or 5,000 or whatever it was would be one. So one of the reasons Milwaukee is back on the schedule is because Iowa's doing pretty well. Gateway's doing pretty well. They've shown the template for that, that you can make that work. But the last time IndyCar was at Michigan, very small crowd. Um, Pocono was getting better. I think there's some different things involved there. Chicago doesn't really exist as a racetrack, but there wasn't a big crowd there. Kentucky was dwindling. I still hold out hope for Kentucky. I think the track is still there. Uh, that's one that I'd love to see in the right circumstances. Homestead gets thrown out there every once in a while, maybe, but you know, I can't, would I be willing to put my money on the line for that? I would not. I don't know why it would be massively different. It's going to get, take someone like Hy-Vee locally to come in and say, yep, this is going to be our baby. We're going to get behind it, and we're going to make sure that this is well attended. But I, I hear the frustration. I get it. But just you, just running ovals because we love ovals doesn't work. Someone has to pay for it. Someone has to go. And unfortunately, ovals, which is why we're seeing doubleheaders, are one-day events. Road and street course races are three-day events. So that is part of it. All right, other news. Hey, uh, cross off Kyle Kirkwood. Extension announced today with Andretti Global, the new name of Andretti Autosport. And uh, well, I think it's, you know, we, we didn't have any suspicion that he would be anywhere else in 24, but I think this is a long-term play that works really nicely for Michael Andretti. And I think the way you look at it is Kyle Kirkwood is Team Penske material. Yep. And this this keeps him at Andretti Global. Keeps and him away from Penske and McLaren, the two teams yep. that are most likely to offer him something really enticing. I believe he was under contract for next year, but uh, 25, you know, is, is Will Power coming back in 25? What Where do things stand with him? I, I do not know. Uh, so, yes, that that's what that is. Um, Oliver Askew and Christian Rasmussen, Maybe a bit of a gong show. Got a chance to both run in Ed Carpenter racing cars yesterday at Barber Motorsports Park. So happy to see they both had an opportunity and we'll see where that goes. I'd love if they got another chance. Maybe this, even if there's only one seat available, it helps their cause if whoever doesn't get that seat to maybe find an opportunity somewhere else. You know, from an Indy, Indy Next standpoint, Louis Foster continues to say, I'm looking, I'm looking. So I wouldn't expect him to be an IndyCar driver next year, but he still holds out some thought that uh, maybe a seat 
You know, you got Hunter McElray and Christian Rasmussen. You've got you got several of those guys angling for what's left of the IndyCar ride situation. Louis got a chance in an Andretti car at Road America, I think, last week or the week before. I believe he will be in Indy next again. I think he is keeping his options open, and that potentially is just part of that deal. That, um, yeah, we'll we'll get you some time in the IndyCar and try to win the championship next year in Indy next. Reese Gold today confirmed that he was returning to HMD. So I think those are the only two public confirmations with Miles Rowe as well. But I think Andretti's got some things done. The other seats are probably pretty wide open as far as Indy next is concerned right now. Hey, we've got more stuff coming up at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, the Indy 8-hour uh Jackson Lee announced this on last week's show that he's going to be running in a sports car there the weekend after next. We'll talk about that more next week. And then this week is the BC 39 with USAC Midgets. Uh, That starts tomorrow, runs through Saturday. And the hottest driver, maybe next to Max Verstappen, is Logan Seavey who has swept the USAC Four Crown Nationals this past weekend at Eldora. He joined Jack Hewitt back in 98, Kyle Larson in 2011 to win in Midgets, Silver Crown, Sprint Cars. He's already won the Chili Bowl this year. He's leading the USAC Midget and Silver Crown points, and it's going quite well, and he'll be in the Abacus Racing. Indy Fuel number 57 coming up this weekend. Uh, Logan, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and safe to say, I guess it's going pretty well for you right now. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, obviously doing doing great after the, the weekend we just came off of, and really, really looking forward to the BC39 coming up. So it was already a really good year for you. We had you back on in the, the spring after you won the Chili Bowl uh, and you won the, uh, what, Indiana Midget Week this year. You're a former USAC national champion in midgets. But have you ever been on anything like a role that you've been on for the last few months? No, no, I don't think so. You know, I've won a few big races in the past, but uh, to win the uh... You know, like you said, just to run this well and to win so many big races in, in one year is pretty, pretty wild. So, um, yeah, I definitely wouldn't say this is easily the best uh, year of my career to date. And, yeah, hopefully we can pick up a few more, still, uh, still a few more big ones to come, and uh, we're looking forward to them. I read that your current run of 14 straight top fives in national USAC midget races is the longest streak since Jason Leffler had 21 straight in 1997. If you tried to pinpoint it, what can you say is going right? What what has been the reason for not just being fast at times and winning races, but being consistently strong? Yeah, I think we just have, you know, a car and a, and a team that, you know, knows what we need and, and uh, you know, gives me a consistent car and I kind of know what I'm getting myself into every night and, and then on top of that, I've just been I've been racing midgets for you know a few years now, and mm-hmm. um, I know all these tracks we're going to, and um, you know if, if it's the track I haven't gone to, then it's probably a track that no one on the circuit's gone to also. So uh, it's either I have more experience than than the, than the other people I'm racing with, or or we're all kind of on an even playing field, and and then I'm just confident in, in my car and in myself, and um, that confidence is, is big in all aspects of you know life and all and, and in all sports, but. Um, racing especially if you if you feel like you can win and you feel like your car is good enough to win uh, that changes a lot of things and and uh, helps a lot so 
um, yeah, totally. Uh, you know, racing's got lots of lots of variables and things that can go wrong. But um, yeah, right now it seems like seems like everything, especially on the midget side, everything's going right. You're leading the USAC Midget Championship, the Silver Crown Championship as well. And then you, you added the Silver Crown win, winning all three of them at Eldora. First of all, how many drivers do all three races at an event like that? Uh, this year, there was three of us that did all three. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So how difficult is that beyond just getting a quality ride in all three? Once you get that sorted... What's the challenge of doing all three races in one event? Uh, a lot of it is just not having any time to to process what happened or talk to your crew about the track or talk to your crew about the top, the car and stuff like that. You know, usually you get out um, from uh, get out of the car from a race and you kind of break down what you thought of your car and of the race and how to get better. But um, you know, there's a lots of times when you're running three classes where you get out of your car and, uh, you know, the, the race you're in is already on the track and going. So you just jump in your next car and, and you get going. You don't really have time to yeah. talk to anybody about, like I said, about the track or about your car or anything like that. So that's probably the the biggest thing that's a hurdle and um, finding time to, you know, eat and drink water and stuff <laughs> like that stuff too. So um, when you're running around all day, you burn a lot of calories and uh, a lot of energy. So you gotta, you gotta find time to, get a little bit of food and water back in you yeah, but um no it's fun you know that's a fun race that's one of the coolest races i think of the year to see you know four races at at one track where there's four really good series a lot of the places we go to you know there's one or two big races and they have some support classes and um that one makes you feel like every race is is big and and it is big logan Seavey is joining us who's awesome on dirt but he's also uh, almost won a NASCAR truck race. He's won an ARCA race. He's done those, uh, one of the, some of the few races that they have on the dirt. When I go back to doing all three cars in a night, is there much of an adjustment from one car to the next? Uh, I mean, they all definitely obviously drive way different and feel different and things like that. But, um, you know, people that do it enough, you know, you kind of know what you're getting into and you have to basically be able to go run great laps on, you know, your first lap on track. So um, if there is adjustment, you don't have time to adjust. you got to figure it out quick. And, um, yeah, like I said, you do this stuff enough, and we race, you know, close to 100 times a year. We kind of, um, you know, the guys that are doing all three do it enough to where they know what they're getting into. And, um, you know, you adjust mentally before, before you even go green. And, and then, you know, it's just back, you know, like riding a bike, they say. So, um, yeah, no, there's, I, I wouldn't say there's much of an adjustment for the guys that, that do it as much as we do. Is there maybe a little advantage that you know more about the track conditions than someone who hasn't been out for an hour or whatever since their hot laps? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I think it's an advantage for sure. If you can, um, you know, if you don't mentally or physically wear yourself out, um, I think knowing what the track's doing and knowing what the track's like and, where there might be a you know a bump on the track or what's changing you know in the last ten or twenty laps, um, I do think it's a pretty pretty big advantage for for people that can do all three and and do them well. So as as you mentioned, you'd had success before this season. It's not like you're brand new to this, but your team 
is relatively new. Uh, Abacus Racing, and, and full disclosure, the team owner, Brent Cox, is my accountant. He's a friend of mine. But I think he's only really been doing this for a couple of years. How has this team gotten to be where they are giving you a car that can win races every night? Yeah, it's like you said, it's 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 a new deal for everybody. And uh, they've been racing for a little bit here and there, but I don't know if they've ever been really 100% full-time. And um yeah, they've just got great equipment and, and great crew guys working on them. And um, I'd run a few races during the off season, and then I ran the Chili Bowl and um, won the Chili Bowl, obviously. And I knew, I knew like the equipment I raced at the Chili Bowl is exactly what I wanted. And I talked to Brent, and we got all the stuff that I thought we needed to, to win, and uh, ordered it all up right then, and got it before we started the season. And um, yeah, like I said, the guys just do a great job preparing the cars to make sure nothing goes wrong. And, um, you know, they've pretty much gave me a car that could win every race all year. And um, we've been pretty close to a lot of them. So, um, yeah, like I said, new team is hard because you're racing against teams that have been doing it for 25 or more years. And, um, but yeah, I think a little bit of it has to do with, you know, you just got great guys working on it and, I'm a little more experienced than most of the people we race with. Not all, but most of the people we race with, I've got uh, more laps and know all the racetracks we're going to and, and things like that. So um, that definitely helps. And yeah, Brent just does a great job at you know providing us what we need. And a lot of times you go race with car owners and uh, you tell them what we need and they say no, we don't need that and this and that. And um, it definitely changes changes uh, the dynamic and. Um, knowing that you're going to have everything you need when you when you go to the track is is pretty huge. So you've won big races. You've won Turkey Night. You've won the Chili Bowl. As I mentioned, you've won an ARCA race before. Um, where does the BC39 kind of rank among the season's big events? How significant is this? Uh, it's it's huge. I think everyone knows it, and that's why you see such a, a big car count for the races. Um, you know, most of us. You know, grassroots dirt racers never never think we'd get a shot to run at Indy, and even to run you know in the infield, but just racing on the on the property of IMS is awesome, and they've done such a good job at promoting and making it feel like a big race. Like if you've ever gone, it's it's awesome atmosphere and mm-hmm. uh, pack stands and stuff like that. So that changes a lot. Um, you know, if it feels like a big race, it kind of turns into a big race, and. Um, ever since the first year, it's it's felt like a, a big race, and like I said, the stands are packed, and the crowd's into it, and uh, they do a great job with that race. And um, yeah, like I, said, I think for me, it's definitely one of the bigger ones on the schedule. I know for Brent, it is the biggest one on the schedule for him, and that's the one he really, really wants to win. And um, I think he's really excited because going into it, he knows we have a we have a pretty good shot. So we will, you know, obviously see what happens and. Like I said any earlier, the, you know, there are so many variables that could go wrong in racing, but at the moment, yeah, we feel like feel like we have a good shot to win. So help me out with what to expect. Um, I think last I saw there are 70-some entries, and they're splitting it in half with uh, some will be on Thursday, some are on Friday, trying to get to the feature on Saturday. Uh, what are, like, the basics for people that are coming out, and when will we see you on track? Yeah, so tomorrow we start with just a little practice, and then they have a uh, exhibition race for some of the people that were the fastest in practice. They're going to go run a race against each other, but then yeah, the real the real race starts on Thursday and Friday. They split the field. Uh, I think there's seventy something cars, so there'll be 
in the mid or mid or high 30s each day, and um, I think they're going to lock in the podium finishers from each race on Thursday and Friday. So basically, yeah, you just have to race your way in through. You know, I'll race only Friday. My teammate Daniel will race only Thursday, um, and then yeah, you just got to race your way into to Saturday, and then you know they'll kind of line up everybody off their results from the night that they raced and um, line them up and go from there on Saturday. So. Um, it's a, it's definitely exciting. You know, it's um, cutthroat because you really only get one chance to, to put yourself in a good spot. And if you make a mistake, you don't really have time to make up for it. So um, it's exciting racing, and it's kind of more of a format that we see at the Chili Bowl. So it's kind of a little bit more known to, you know, the racers and stuff. But, um, but yeah, it should be an exciting format and a really exciting race. So there's alphabet soup, too. Not as deep as the Chili Bowl, but there's a little bit of that on Saturday. Yeah, I think, like I said, there'll be 70 something cars. Yep. So there'll still be some alphabet soup okay. to watch on Saturday for sure. Logan Seavey will be in the number 57 Indy Fuels Midget with Abacus Racing at the BC39 at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway starting tomorrow through Saturday, looking to continue his hot streak. Logan, it's great to catch up with you. We will uh, talk to you soon. Hopefully, we'll see you out at the track this week. Awesome. Sounds good. Appreciate you having me. I'll see you out there. Yeah, thank you. All right, stay with us. Coming up, we get back to the IndyCar schedule. Dave Coleman from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel is going to talk with Kurt next about what we can expect next year at the Milwaukee Mile. Trackside, 93.5-1075, The Fan. This is Track... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Side with Kurt Cavan and Kevin Lee on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Welcome back to Trackside on a Tuesday night. And the schedule for the NTT IndyCar Series came out this week. And the big news on the schedule is the return of the Milwaukee Mile, truly one of the great places in American motorsports and one of the great places for IndyCar racing after all these years. And a man who has spent about as much time at that racetrack as I have, and I say about, you've actually spent more, but it feels like we've done every event together for most of our 30-plus years as journalists and and motorsports writers is Dave Coleman of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. David, um, I guess we've joked about it, but it's job security for the motorsports writer in, in Milwaukee to to have uh, motorsports back at the mile. Tell me, I guess, what's what's been happening there on the racetrack over the last, let's say IndyCar was last there in 2015. So what's been happening the last eight to 10 years? Well, there was nothing for a couple of years. I shouldn't say that. There was a... Uh, some club racing on the infield road course, but no spectator events on the oval. Um, in 2019, um, Bob Sargent and Track Enterprises brought the the, the Arca Midwest, well, ASA Midwest Tour at the time, uh, or whatever it was, the Midwest Tour, basically, late, you know, super late model stock car regional series in 2019. Um, it was, you know, reasonably well received, and people liked the idea of racing back on the Milwaukee Mile. Um then we we lost the COVID year, um, which doesn't count, right? We just stopped counting 2020. Sure. Nobody knows how to uh, you know, the accounting for it anyway. So uh, 2021 brought back brought the uh, the ARCA National Series, and then this year added the the 
the Craftsman Truck Series, which of course was the, it's been so long since the trucks were at Milwaukee. They were the Craftsman Truck Series the last time they were there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, you know, that was a, that was a pretty good event here last month. Um, you know, about 15,000 maybe uh, in attendance. So it's not bad for the truck series. So what, what has led you to the the point of of yesterday and the announcement that the mile would return on the IndyCar schedule. What had you been hearing or had you thought there was much momentum? Or maybe I guess the question is, what is it that turned this from just maybe a pipe dream of a return or, you know, the wishes of the race fans to reality? What what has been the change from your perspective? Well, I mean, you're, you're right. This is certainly something that I would not have. I know I've written, I'm sure I've written two obits for the mile, maybe more. I think yesterday was my fifth resurrection of my career. Um, you know, just keeps coming back. Um, yeah, it, it just, it, it's funny because you and I, like you said, we've, we've been there. We see, you know, you go out there five laps into the race when pretty much everybody should be in their seat. You see that the place is less less than half full and you you go okay well have we learned our lesson why are we doing it what 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 can be different and yet in between when indycar is not there those are some of the most vocal fans we need to do this we need to be back at the milwaukee mile we need to be racing at the milwaukee mile so that's always sort of kept the dream alive you know there's whether it's you know five thousand really loud people or ten thousand or what you know the hard cores um the traditionalists maybe there's 30,000 and, and 20,000 of them are out of market and can't you know won't get to the race whatever it is there's been a hardcore group that has kept that going um i think the change is well um the the chairman of the state fair board was interestingly enough uh, an appointee of the previous governor of the other party so it's strange for him to to a guy in a patronage job like that to be around but he has consistently wanted he he grew up near the track he's had the the passion to get racing back to the mile as he remembers it from you know 40 years ago 50 years ago whatever and so he's kind of helped keep that alive um bob Sargent, who is a you know a tremendous short track promoter and also has done a lot of stuff with arca at the uh springfield mile and that sort of thing um had an interest in the mile, believed in the mile. And so, you know, so he thought that there was something there, that there, there could be something going on there. Um, it sounds like it was about a year ago when I don't know how completely independent it was of, of those two parties, but IndyCar got involved, whether I'm not sure whether who reached out to whom and exactly how it happened, but, um, there was apparently enough interest on the IndyCar side. And um, as you know, if anyone is going to get anything done in the sport where, where no one else can, it's Roger Penske. And, you know, Roger, lo- Roger loves the history. Roger loves the speedway. Roger will happily tell you about standing on pit road, watching Gary Bettenhausen qualify. You know what I mean? So he's just, he's, he's got that love. And, and, and all those things, you know, the interest the return of racing in 2019, whatever happened a year ago, however those things got going, and and Roger, those that's what kind of brought us up to yesterday. Yeah, Dave Coleman from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, longtime 
a motorsports reporter in in Milwaukee. So let me ask you this. I guess the question, simply put, does this happen without Roger Penske? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. It does, I mean, because it's 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 a tough business proposition. It was funny. I mean, yesterday getting ready to go to the event, it starts drizzling. And I'm like, oh, my God, we've lived through so many of these race mornings, right? It's the sort of thing that, that kills your walk up. This is sort of thing that as a promoter will just deflate you. Um, and yet there we went and it was, it was all sunshine there when, you know, and, and, you know, Rogers organization is as good as anybody of putting together sponsors, bringing, uh, bringing together deals from other parts of the organization, other parts of, of the business, putting it all together and, and, and making things work. So, yeah, I don't know that anyone, else in the business has those sorts of resources, those sorts of abilities that, that he has. What would we expect? And maybe they're not done yet. You were out there yesterday. You had a chance to see what has changed with the infrastructure or maybe it hasn't changed, but, but what would you expect the infrastructure changes to be? What did you hear relative to, you know, just safety upgrades you know just general infrastructure what's different maybe than than what would have been there the last time indycar was there in 2015 yeah they started uh state building commission approved a, a couple million dollars and off the top of my head i'm going to say it's three but i've copied and pasted it so many times i don't even remember what that paragraph says um a significant amount of money for improvements at the track and elsewhere on the grounds but we think of the track of course um, started in the spring, they did some work on, uh, on some transitions, some, um, asphalt to grass kind of transitions, some wall work, uh, inside wall stuff. Um, there will be more of the more walls replaced. I think, you know, as you know, as, as a Midwest guy, you have, there's, you know, concrete and whatnot is subject to, Wisconsin winter. And so there's, there's, you know, water gets in and we start cracking concrete and we don't want to be running race cars into, <laughs> you know, broken concrete. So there's some walls being replaced and some, and some catch fencing. Um, the next phase of the project that's going to happen yet this fall is they are going to uh, redo pit road entirely, uh, concrete pit boxes and, and replacing all the asphalt as well as uh, milling and repaving, I think uh, maybe it was about 100 feet around start-finish line where where it's gotten a little bumpy. So those are the things. And then, um, you know, the, the, there'll be more coming next, uh, well, sometime next year. Uh, yeah, I guess it would be before because the race is late in the year. There will be more work in the, in the spring and summer. Um, similar stuff, safety stuff, walls, fences, that kind of stuff mostly. And, and also, I mean, they've, they've definitely spruced up the place. So, um, yeah, it's it's been good. It's a nice step forward. So the question that gets asked a lot, especially for those of us not in Milwaukee or in, in, uh, in Wisconsin in general and attending the fair and so forth, you know, the sentiment has been let's race during, during the state fair. Let's, let's go back to an era where, you know, that IndyCar race was part of, the showcase for the state fair. Tell me why. And this race will be this double header will be August 31st, September 1st. 
and those dates are past the state fair. From a local person's standpoint, why does the state fair not work to be a companion or be part of, why can't IndyCar be a companion to the state fair? The fair has grown, uh, well, last month. Um, and, you know, so it's it's grown. The fair isn't what it used to be. The fair is much bigger than it used to be. Um, consequently, you have less room. That The, the track is is used for parking and, and is vital for that. Uh, the the concert stage is, is there and would, you know, require a lot of effort to, to, to move and, and undo if, uh, you know, if you wanted to, to have a race in mid-fair. Um, as for, I mean, the IndyCars, the series is just, the show has gotten so much bigger. You have, you know, how many transporters does Penske bring? How many does Ganassi bring? These are all giant semis and, and, and everything that spreads out from there that just didn't exist in the seventies, not to that magnitude. I mean, we're not doing open trailers anymore. You know what I mean? I don't think we were an IndyCar at that point either, but you get the point, right? It's just, it's the circus has, has gotten much bigger and, and the tents is the same size. So Dave Coleman uh, joins us from the Milwaukee journal Sentinel. So let's kind of put a bow on this. What is your optimism for what this event can be? Is Milwaukee as a whole and that is Wisconsin as a whole interested? You know, is it fired up or is it, as we've often said, you know, there's such a core group of people that are excited about IndyCar at Milwaukee that that will that will be what we see. What kind of momentum can be resurrected and and uh, for this return? Yeah, that is that's that is the question. I'm I, I'm kind of glad it's not my money on the line. Um, it is. But th- that's the question. I, I don't know. We will see. I think here's what I'll say about that, that. Again, it goes back to Roger Penske. If anybody can make things happen, he's he's a deal maker. His people are deal makers and can probably make more business sense out of things than others could. I will say he does have uh, State Fair Park behind him wholeheartedly, and he's got the state of Wisconsin and the tourism folks. Uh, you know, really serious. Having a better presence yesterday than I've than I've seen maybe, I mean, than I can remember certainly. Um, so, you know, we got the right people involved. Now it's up to the people who've clamored for, we got to get racing back to state fair park. IndyCar needs to be at state fair park. We need to have races. Well, now you got two shots. So buy a ticket, buy two tickets, whatever, put, put your money where your mouth is because it doesn't matter. We want it all we want, but now, now you got it. So you got to, you got to make it happen. It'll be fun. It's always good racing. I guess I should have asked you, uh, do you have a favorite memory of, of racing in Milwaukee? Because there are so many to choose from. Oh my gosh. No, no, I certainly can't <laughs> sort them out. Uh, my memory's not that good. First we'd have to go back at least we'd have to go back eight years and that's, that's pushing it for me, but you're right. It's, there's been a lot of fun times there. There's been a lot of weirdness. I mean, we've had what tornado warnings and and all kinds of uh, all kinds of goofy stuff. Well, D- Scott Dixon re- reminded us yesterday about how he rode off two cars in a total of four laps and and went home and watched the race on TV. Um, it's just been a place that has has brought a lot of weirdness, a lot of good times, and and uh, yeah, just a lot of interesting days. So we'll, we'll we'll hope for more good days and more interesting days starting next year. 
Yeah, that was the last time Scott Dixon missed an IndyCar race. That was, it feels like, you know, that was before my kids were even born. It's not, not the case. I think they were in their, their 10 or 12 years old period, but it, uh, it just feels like so long ago. And Scott's made all the races since then. So anyway, David, we'll, uh, we'll be circling back with you over the next uh, few months as, as Milwaukee begins preparation for a return on August 31st and September 1st, a doubleheader. The Milwaukee Mile back on the schedule. We all love that. All right, David, thanks a lot, and uh, we'll see you soon. We'll come back here on 93.5 and 107.5. This is Trackside with Kevin and Kevin. Hi, this is Paul. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. To award, and you're listening to Trackside. Final segment, covered a lot of ground tonight, and here's what's good, Kurt. We get to do it again next week, so... We will welcome a Twitter reaction at Kevin Lee 23 at Kurt Cavan. We'll archive that. We can continue to talk more about the 2024 schedule. Probably start to get some more announcements as far as scheduling is concerned. We didn't really get into TV ideas. If anyone has some, I know a lot of people listen on podcast. They may send that after they listen on Wednesday morning, but I'll pick out the ones I like and share them with my bosses. And, and maybe you'll see that come to fruition next year on Peacock or NBC. Yeah, I like that. You've already got a kind of a script for next week, and and I do like the idea of of doing a real chart for Indy five hundred seats because they're they are dwindling as we speak. So yeah, let's let's mark those ideas down, and that's that's our talking points for next week. So as always, so we encourage you to fire up the podcast, uh, download it. Even if you already listen to us live, it helps things out. It's at Spotify, um, what iTunes. Um, many other well, SoundCloud, <laughs> any, all your usual help me outlets. Out. Yeah, the the usual outlet. The, you're pointing to your phone. Well, that's what iTunes is, Apple, right? Apple, Apple, yeah, Apple Podcast now. Apple Podcast is not iTunes that no longer exist. iTunes does exist, but they call it Apple Podcast now. Yeah, do they? I'll figure that out eventually. <laughs> well, no, I'll figure that out if they put me on the payroll or send me product, and they have not. So, yeah, it's on the uh, the magic phone box. So that is there for you, or you can listen to us live, which is the simplest way, next Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. Thanks to Eddie Garrison, Elijah Robertson in studio tonight as well. For Kurt, I'm Kevin. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.